listening to the Mobcast Network. Another episode of the Triple Name Sports Show. I'm your host, Aaron Lynch-Kelly, and joining me in the broadcast studio here in Institute, West Virginia, the one, the only... Your jack-of-all-trades, El Jefe Loco. You know, it's uh, we got another week of, of late recording in. It's, uh, <laughs> the, the snow is back. The snow's back. Uh, snow, Snowmageddon, snow, snow Apocalypse <laughs> 2, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it hit. We got two days off from school. Snowpocalypse 2, return of the... Fro- frozen roads. <laughs> yeah, and it's it was um I didn't I didn't even try to come out yesterday. It was it was just way too way too bad. Um but we're here today uh, yep. to bring you all of the happenings in the West Virginia State University athletics, all the happenings across the Mountain East Conference, and of course, your look at the National Sporting Leagues around the country and around the world as you know, we've we've brought you stuff from uh middle school basketball, soccer, uh, darts championships down in Australia, wing eating, wing eating competitions in Philadelphia. We uh, done wing eating. Yeah. yeah. When, did, when did we do? You wing- might not have been here. It might have been the one I did by myself. It was when, about mankind cheating at oh, a no. at a wing eating competition. Yeah, that was when I got stuck. Yeah. I don't, yeah I don't. I'm- so I mean we 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 cover a lot of you know there's a wide range of sports that we cover. We cover them all. We we well I don't want to say them all but we. Darn near close to them all, I'd <laughs> next, say. Next week, we'll have three-legged races. <laughs> but, you know, on a, on a serious note, um, these past few weeks um, here at Institute West Virginia, you know, it, it's been a little somber um, with the passing of, of, of Earl Lloyd. Um, he was a – he's like the Jackie Robinson of – of the NBA, you know, he was the first player to play in the national broad, national broadcasting in the N- National Basketball Association. Um, you know, he was the first African American player to play in that league, and you know, he many people don't know that. You know, no. I honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself out there. I didn't know that before before I came to West Virginia State University. I didn't. I had no idea that that he was the first. I I I just never really thought about it. I guess. I, I, I didn't know it either. Well, when you're growing up and you hear about you hear about um, you know the first African Americans playing any sport, you, first thing that comes to word uh, mind, yeah, Jackie yeah. Robinson. Everybody talks about Jackie Robinson. I never even knew, knew Earl Lloyd. Yeah, and I, I um I honestly I'd never you know like you said I the first word in you know anybody's mouth is oh Jackie Robinson, and that's what Earl Lloyd was. He was the Jackie Robinson of basketball. Um, and you know I I got, I got the pleasure um, last year. I was I had the opportunity to go to the dedication of the Earl Lloyd lobby and the Earl, Earl Lloyd statue in the Walker Convocation Center, and you know um, Earl came in and you know he they had a they had a banquet um, to hear him speak and they also you know he sat down and talked you know to the media and you know gave a little press conference and uh, the unveiling there was a big crowd for it the men's and women's basketball team got to sit down and talk to him he got to you know he was more interested in hearing about their lives. 
than talking basketball, talking about his, you know, everything he he had done. And, um, you know, that's that speaks, you know, very, very well of him. Uh, I know in the moments following his death, or in the days following his death, um, head basketball coach uh, Brian Poor did a press conference, and he said Earl was a superstar who treated everyday people like a superstar and treated him and saw himself as an everyday person. Um, and, and, you know, my time getting to speak with Earl Lloyd was, was very brief. It was more than less just, you know, introducing myself, shaking his hand, you know, just, you know, just exchanging pleasantries, and, and that was it. And, um, you know, I just wanted to take the time to shine some light on Earl Lloyd. So at this point, I'm going to play the interview that I did uh, recorded on Monday this past week with basketball coach Brian Poor about the, the man that was Earl Lloyd. Well, you know, that weekend was uh, obviously a, a special weekend for uh, all of us that, that was able to attend. Um, if you're a basketball guy, you know, you, you have the likes of uh, Oscar Robertson, uh, Bill Russell. Um, they, those two could be the greatest player ever and the greatest champion ever. And then uh, you've got Sonny Hill, you know, any young kid that grew up in the Philadelphia area uh, over the past 20, 25, 30 years all wanted to play in the Sonny Hill League. And Sonny Hill's uh, an executive with the Philadelphia 76ers. And you have Olin Chamberlain, Wilt Chamberlain's nephew here, and the Retired Players Association president and CEO and NBA TV. So, you know, it, it was an outpouring of affection for Earl. And, um, you know, we're really, really thankful that, um, you know, he was around to see that, uh, to see his statue, um, to enjoy that weekend and to, you know, basically be showered with, you know, appreciation and love, uh, not only from West Virginia State University, but uh, from, you know, the NBA world as well and the basketball world. And he was certainly deserving of it. Um, the weekend was, you know, just absolutely fantastic. And um, you know it's really really sad to 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 to, to you know have Earl pass, um, but you know I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. We all know that's coming with life is death, um, and Earl's been had been really really sick, uh, had been in the hospital since October 30th uh, with various problems and things going on with him, and uh, so you know I knew the time was coming, and I was fortunate enough to fly down there about uh, six weeks ago. We had a day off and. I took the day and went down there and, and spent the day with him in the hospital and, you know, kind of got to say my piece with him. Um, and along with that, on that day, we got the documentary started. All righty. And that was, again, that was West Virginia State University's own bas- head basketball coach, Brian Poor, talking about, you know, his his experiences with um, Earl, Mr. Earl Lloyd and, you know, everything that um, that came with that, with his friendship with Earl. Um, and, the, you know, at, towards the end of the interview, you can hear um, Coach Poor mention a, or reference a documentary. Well, in this next uh, segment that I'm getting ready to play for you, it was from the same interview, Coach Poor elaborates on the documentary that is being shot by um, the same people that shot Benji, the 30 for 30 Benji. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. It's about the high school basketball player in Chicago. He, um, he, Gets, he was a phenom. He gets murdered um, on a high school on a rival's high school campus, and it was just it was really interesting. I'd never it, you know it's on my Netflix queue, and I'd never really taken the time to watch it. Um, but I did after you know speaking with Coach Point. It was it was really good work. And uh, right now I'm going to play you the interview 
uh, or the rest of that interview with Coach Poor about the documentary that is upcoming. And so, you know, his legacy and his story um, is going to live on through the statue and through the documentary that we're doing. Um, You know, we're going to be able to tell Earl Lloyd's story forever. Nice. Can you talk a little bit about the documentary? Yeah, you know, the uh, I don't know if anybody has uh, seen the ESPN 30 on 30 called Benji. Um, that was uh, about Ben Wilson, a kid named Ben Wilson, who was a high school phenom in Chicago. And he got shot on a rival high school's campus uh, during his senior year. He was already signed and going to play at the University of Connecticut and uh, was fatally shot on a rival high school campus. And so the guys that did that documentary by the name of Cootie Simmons and Chiquet, um, those are the guys that are doing a documentary. And it just happened by chance. Um, two years ago, I was up in Cleveland in, in a snowy evening doing some recruiting at, at a place called Aspire Institute. Um, and it's kind of north of Cleveland up on the lake, snow all over the place. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Uh, afraid I was going to get snowed in. And, you know, we're sitting there watching the games, and this guy beside of me had this huge championship ring on. And so I got to talking to him and looked at his ring, and it was a Miami Heat ring. So I'm thinking he's, you know, got some connection with the NBA. And at that point, I was trying to get the statue done and get the documentary started. So I strike up a conversation with him. And this guy by the name of Donnie Kirksey, who at that time was coaching at the University of Illinois, Chicago. He was one of the staff members of uh, Michigan during the Fab Five years. And so he knew Jawan Howard, obviously, quite well. That, and he recruited him. And so he said, yeah, Jawan Howard got me this ring. So I'm like, I need to, you know, I need to get to an NBA guy. And he goes, yeah, really, what for? So I asked him, you know, who, who was the first African-American to play in the NBA? And Donnie's older than I am. He's probably 55, 56, somewhere in that range. And he couldn't answer. And, uh, and he said, you know, that's sad for me to be an older coach and an African-American. And I can't answer that question. Um, that sad, and I said, "Well, that's uh, you know my my problem, and that's my my plight, and this is what I'm trying to change." Everybody knows Jackie Robinson, nobody knows Earl Lloyd, and I said, "Earl Lloyd is who 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 did it, and Earl Lloyd played at my school, West Virginia State." And I said, "Not only was he the first player, he was the first champion, he was the first assistant coach, and he was the first bench coach." And when I told him that, he goes, "Oh my gosh!" And I said, "What's better than that? He's still living." And he picked his phone up out of his pocket and he called Cootie right there on on the spot. And he started telling Cootie uh, the story and then he hands the phone to me and puts me on the phone with this producer uh, out of New York City. And so I start telling him and he goes, Coach, that's a documentary. That has got to be done. We've got to tell that story. And so it started right there that night in Cleveland. Uh, take took us quite a while to get you know everything going and some money raised and um, you know get it funded and and but now it, it it's on its way so hopefully you know in the next um, nine months ten months or so um, you know it's going to be completed uh, there's a Facebook page if anybody wants to look at it it's called the first to do it and uh, so they've got some intro stuff on there and uh, in the next you know four or five months you'll be hearing more and more about it as they get ready to release it. All right. Again, you know, if you want to really support that film, uh, again, it's called The First to Do It. You can do so by donating to the film on a website called Fanbacked. Uh, it's fanbacked.com, and you can search on there, First to Do It. 
And we'll have links in um, the show rundown at the end of the show. We will put that um, on Podbean, on YouTube, on Facebook. We'll tweet how you can support it. You know, just, you know, because we really would like to see this happen. Um, you can also follow them on there. They, you know, they, they update a little bit on, you know, production. But you can also follow their Facebook page, like uh, Coach Poor said. Or you can also follow them on Twitter. And their account is at the first, and it's the number one st capital t o do it um and you know we again we will tweet those out and uh hopefully you guys will get out there and support it if you're if you're a fan of if it sounds like it's something that you'd be really interested in uh, earl lloyd definitely deserves it there's not enough people that know his story and i'm not just saying that because you know he's a he's an alumni from west virginia state university he you know the man did something that no one before him had ever done and, and you know, at that time, that took a lot of, lot of, you know, a lot of guts to come out and you know, really break that barrier. And you know, to some people, you know, sports are, you know, just something to pass the time. But for everybody else, for other people, it's you know, it's a, it's a it's way a, of life. Yeah, it's a way of life. And you know, um, and I think also sports can get people to talk about stuff um, more so than you know anything else. You know, because there's not everybody's equal on the court. You know what I mean? You're not you're you're not you're not dealing with the politics. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or, that's a that's a great way to you know clean up what yeah, I just said. Yeah, you're not you're not dealing with the po- with politics, or you know the environmental issues. You're not dealing with with anything. With, it's just you and, and whatever sport you're playing. Yeah, yeah. Sports can, sports can break boundaries that that it, it's really hard in other fields. Yeah, exactly. Great point. Great point. LFA. <laughs> great point. I don't know. I I guess I'm just. I don't know. I, that's a in my brain. That's what I was trying to say, but I just kept running in a circle. So I'm glad. I'm glad you're here to clean that up. <laughs> now I got that. I, actually, I got that from the uh, the uh, documentary that you sent me, mm-hmm. um, and the one that we're going to be talking about later in the show. Okay. Um, and with that, you know, again, hopefully, you know, if this sounds like something you're interested in, go out and support them. You know, uh, give them a follow on Twitter, follow them on Facebook, keep up with them on that. If you if you can't donate money, because uh, I mean. I know what it's like to you know not have a lot of spare money lying around. We're we're college students, yeah. So we we kind of we kind of know what that's like. Um, but you know if you if you find yourself in that position, you know, and you feel like you want to help out, by by no means, uh, just go ahead and do that. Um, and with that, I'm going to toss it over to Mr. El Jefe Loco to uh, <laughs> to give you our uh, our NASCAR fix, our NASCAR talk. All right. Um, what were you? Okay, let me back up a little bit. Okay, yeah. What were you doing when I first got up here? <laughs> Because there's no school today because school was canceled. Yeah, well, school was canceled, and either way, I wouldn't have had class. Yeah, I today. wouldn't have had. I don't think there's any classes on Friday. No, no. I was honestly, I was supposed to go home yesterday. So, with and with you know, snowpocalypse too, and all the fireworks and everything. Got Triple H coming out with a steel chair, but um, no. Uh, he, I, I, we was originally supposed to start recording around uh, one or two, so I came up here about twelve thirty. And I got a text from Aaron and said, "Well, I ain't gonna be able to get, be there till two or three. So I was like, "Okay." So I went ahead and I just I I turned on everything up here, and I went out to the little lobby place that's out by our studio, and I turned on uh, the the practice <laughs> NASCAR's uh, practice at Las Vegas for uh, this upcoming weekend. And uh, I walked. I, I came back in here after after Aaron showed up, and he was like, "Well," he said, "Well." I told him what I was doing. He said, what are you doing, getting ready for your uh, segment? I was like, no, honestly, I do watch practice <laughs> so I can. Uh, That's a super fan right there. Yeah, I watch practice so I can get up to speed on everything, be ready. I wish I could have watched, you know, football practice. 
football uh, practice, like the Colts or the, yeah. the, uh, the Marshall. But, no, I, I can't do that. I can just do it with NASCAR. So, um, who won this the past weekend in Atlanta? Uh, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. How yeah. do you, you feel about that? How'd your boy Jeff Gordon do? I'm not talking about Jeff Gordon. He's had two DNFs. I heard he. I heard through Coach Poor he wasn't too happy. With no, it. no, no. I was. I was. Ups, I was very upset with it. Um, and actually, I was wanting to watch the race. Um, this upcoming. Yeah. This the, no no this past, past one. Yeah, this past weekend, but I had to come back in. Uh, come back to state because we was uh, we were supposed to uh, do. Uh, broadcast baseball last weekend but we couldn't because you know this and that and then we was also supposed to broadcast the last uh, regular season basketball games but we couldn't do that and it was just a big mess so and uh, yeah it it was bad it was a rough weekend yeah it was um gordon he's he's had two dnfs in the past two uh races and if y'all don't know what uh dnfs are that means did not finish and the thing is though you know that i've gathered through coach poor is he's done fairly well in both races, and then he just towards the end he just can't finish. It, it's it's just you know it's it's a little miscue here and there, and it's and last weekend it wasn't even his fault. It was just one guy got hit and just came up and smacked into him and and hit, but he he had a lot of, he had a lot of a uh, lot of anger to vent after that in an interview, talking about the um, the wall that he hit that had no safer barrier. No, no safety, uh, safety stuff on. Mm-hmm. All right, he had a lot of anger to vent about that. But I kind of feel like you know the the Circus Mac- Maximus from you know ancient Rome. I kind of feel like that's what NASCAR is now. Like, because people used to like get taken out by chariots flying into the crowd and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> I mean, it hasn't happened in NASCAR for a while. It's, it's came, it's came close. I know it's come very uh, close. Uh, a couple years ago, I think it was in the Nationwide Series, which is NASCAR's second tier series. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl Edwards was they was at Talladega, and he got. He got hit. All right, his car flew up into the air, got caught by the fencing, and one of his tires flew off and hit an old lady. From what from what I gathered, man, that's that's crazy. And, and you just seen his car just barrel rolling on that fence. So have they, you know, pole position? You have to win the pole to yeah. that kind of place. You has that taken has that take taken place yet? Uh, that no, happen on no, Saturday? no, that happens. Um, normally, it happens on Fridays. NASCAR's but, slipping. No, they, they they've changed everything up and they do this new qualifying system, and it's so weird. They they put instead because normally uh, before mm-hmm. they, every driver would go out by themselves. All right, they'd have two laps to put up their best best time. Yeah, their best time. Now all the drivers are out there all at dri- once. Yeah, all at once driving. And trying to put up their best time, and it's just uh, that I, seems I, really weird. Like, cause that seems like there would be a lot of restrictions on it, how fast you can go with everybody out there at one time. Yeah, especially if you got somebody in front of you. Yeah, and they they mainly done that because of uh, Daytona and Talladega. But I can understand that. But mile and a half cl- tracks and half mile tracks, you can't really do that there. <laughs> just not a lot, not enough track. No, no, no. Um, did you did you see the news story where the guy uh, he was going to race in last week's race, number forty four? His car got stolen. Yes, and um, they it's found a, it like two days later. I think it was uh, Regan Smith or David Reagan. It was one of them. Yeah, his his car. They, I don't know what happened. They was at a hotel. <laughs> they just stole the whole thing. <laughs> the, these guys just they didn't lock up nothing. <laughs> they was like, oh well, you know, we ain't gonna worry about that. Who's gonna steal a NASCAR anyway? Next thing you know, somebody's taking off with their car. Yeah, and they just, they not only took the car, they took the truck that was hauling the car. Yeah, and the trailer and the car itself. And that's not cheap. Okay. No, yeah, they're they're expensive machines. Yeah, a NASCAR. Um, 
I think it was back in 05, it took a million dollars just to make one. Just to make one car? Just to make one car. Because that's after you put in all the engineering mm-hmm. work, all the safety features, after you do all the testing on it, okay, and all the manpower, it sums up to a million dollars a car. That's insane. But yeah, and then the car just turned up in the woods. Like, they found it in the woods in Atlanta, and because of, you know, NASCAR's rules, he wasn't, because he missed inspection, he wasn't able to race in that race. So, yeah. it kind of, I mean, it, I don't know. Kind of screwed him over. It, it really did screw him over, but I was kind of thinking that maybe maybe somebody's playing, like, a joke on him. Like, is, is he new? No, no. So, I was going to say, maybe he's, like, a new racer, and somebody was like, oh, we'll get the rookie, watch this, and then they stole his car, and... I, would, I could understand them doing that and, like, leaving it at the track and just having them worried about yeah. it. Okay. Not ditching it in the forest. <laughs> no, not not throwing it off in the forest. I think it was just a couple of uh, drunk people. You know, <laughs> drunk people. Just, 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 you know, like a herd of drunk people. <laughs> just wiped out that NASCAR. <laughs> just, oh. It's like, it's like the hangover. Yeah. <laughs> Instead um, of still in the dagger, they still in NASCAR. Um, who, you know, you said you're watching practice. How's. I've never watched NASCAR practice. Um, you know, how is anybody looking really good? Or uh, can they look really good? Yeah, actually, they can. They put up their they they put they put up their times, and you know, um, who had the best time when you were watching? I didn't get to check and see who had the best time. I know Keselowski was in second last time I checked. Who was first? Do you remember? I can't. I, I didn't, must not have been important. No, I, they. By the time I heard you come through yeah. here. That he hadn't even put it up there yet, because well, before before I was watching practice, actually, there was a I was watching basketball in there. Okay. Yeah, and practice just started like 15 minutes ago. Yeah. So Keselowski um, posted second. Some guy wrecked. Some guy wrecked in practice. Yeah, I can't remember what his name was. It's he's new. He's a rookie. I don't know what his name is. He wrecked. Um, he was coming out of turn four, got loose, and just spun. So if since he wrecked in this, he's done. He can't race. No, or, no, no. They got, they bring backup cars. Oh, okay. Yeah, just in case you wreck in practice, you you got so many backup cars that you can bring. Huh. Most time, I think they I think they they're allowed two, two cars. Oh, that's one, cool. One or two. I did not know that. Yeah, they you learn yeah. something new every day. Yeah, they yeah they have backup cars, and if they wreck they, and they have to go to a backup car, like say they wreck in uh, final practice, which mm-hmm. is after qualifying, if they wreck in final practice or qualifying. Um, they gotta go to the back, no matter where they qualify. So there's, like, there's a penalty, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, is it too early to kind of look to see who you think's gonna win this weekend, or just go ahead and give us a prediction? I, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll say that. Gaze into your crystal ball. <laughs> I wish I had a crystal ball. I, I would just mess with people all the time. <laughs> but just get uh, a clear bowling ball and just don't get it drilled. Um, honestly, I would, I would say to look for um, Johnson. Jimmy Johnson because he's won four times at Las Vegas. Okay, and the, and and the thing is about Las Vegas is they come they go there once a year. Mm-hmm. It's not like any other track where they uh, like. There's a few tracks that where they do show up once a year, like Darlington, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, places like that. But Las Vegas, you know, it's normally the third or fourth uh, race on the card, and they they show up there once a year. So these these one year once a year tracks, they normally they, they try to race as hard as they can. And uh, Johnson's won there four times. Matt Kenseth's won there three times. Um, Gordon's only won there once. And so that was, that so was it would be good for your your man to win this weekend. Oh yeah, he's oh yeah, it'd be good for him to win any weekend. <laughs> I'd want him to win for the rest of the rest of the season, and then just you know, oh maybe I should just go back to racing. Yep, come back. <laughs> I don't care what number you got, just come back, man. Actually, no, keep twenty four. Take that back. You you got to keep twenty four. 
But but no, it's 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 too early in the season to start to start making bold predictions. But if I was if I was to look for anybody, I would look for Jimmy Johnson or Matt Kansas to win this weekend. Yeah, or Carl Edwards. Yeah, uh, he's been he's been actually he's been doing pretty good uh, with his new team because he got he he left Jack Roush racing, went over to Joe Gibbs racing, and uh, over the past few years, there's been many uh, a few big name. Uh-huh. Racers that have went from their their solid teams like Matt Kenseth, he was with um, Jack Roush for a long time. Went to Joe Gibbs, he was doing horrible for Jack Roush at the end. Went to Joe Gibbs, started doing right. Kevin Harvick, he left uh, Richard Childress Racing. He was there for ten years. Went over to um, Stuart Haas Racing and was there for two years and won the championship. So Carl Edwards is another one to watch. So for. maybe a good maybe a good strategy is just change teams. Yeah. If you're starting to, if you're starting to stink it up in NASCAR, just change teams. It's not that bad. Unless you're Dallin Hart Jr., then you're just even though you suck, your fans are still going to love you. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is because of who his dad is. Oh yeah, or was I guess would be. Everybody knows it. Some people don't like to admit it. Okay. I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, he is a talented race car driver. He does have his struggles, um, I, but yeah, I think a lot of it. You, he at least got his break in a NASCAR. Oh, just simply off his last name alone. Well, yeah, he his when he first went to NASCAR, he was driving for his dad. Mm-hmm. His his dad uh, uh, owned the team, and he that's who he was driving for. And you know, when his dad passed away, he got half of the shares from that company. Mm-hmm. And but, Cal Bush, I was watching this interview, and he said that he don't he don't hate because apparently the week before him and Junior got into it, and he said I don't hate Junior. I just think his fans are crazy. And they are. I know plenty of Dell Jr. fans, and there's not they're they're not hard to find, but they're all crazy. And he's st- he's still 88, right? Yeah. There's a funny story behind that one. Is there? Yep. Well, let's go ahead and talk about it. Okay. <laughs> you remember how like he uh, he used to have the the eight car? Yeah. Yeah. He used to drive eight. Well, when uh, the whole thing, uh, I think it's been almost 10 years since he switched over. I, I was gonna say it's been a while. He's been 88 for a while now. Yeah, yeah. He it's been, but back when all that was happening, and he was switching over to to uh, Rick Hendrick, um, who is Jeff Gordon's owner. Um, when he was switching over to there, there was you know all the talks. Is he going to take the eight car with him? Are they going to release the uh, the rights to it and everything? Which they didn't. Uh, Dei didn't. Who was his former team? Um, they didn't. And Dale Jr. They kept wondering, oh, how they? What's he going to do about the number? What's he going to do about the number? And he chose eighty-eight because so many of his fans have his number tattooed on them that he got eighty-eight just so they can just put an eight right beside it. What's? Well, I mean, that's you know, that's loyalty to your fans. You know your fan base. Yeah. You know they've already you know put an eight on there. It's kind of like when you tattoo a girl's name on your body, and then you're like, well, looks like I'm going to only have to date Sheila's. <laughs> But no, I, was, I thought it was a rumor at first, and then he was in a press conference, and he said that. I was like, oh, he's serious. He's serious about this. Huh. That is that is pretty cool. Um, I think that's all the time we have for the NASCAR talk segment yep. with El Jefe Loco. Uh, I, I really like this. I really like this. I learn more about NASCAR each and every week. Um, I think our fans like it. Uh, I know Scotty likes it. I know Scotty loves it. <laughs> yeah, I, I ran in. I was talking to him, and he said, NASCAR talks with El Jefe. I was like, what, he, I said, you heard? He said, oh, I love it. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to keep it going. And uh, if you like it, if you got a favorite race car driver, you know, tweet it in to um, either at LFA Locos uh, Twitter or, you know, to the show account. And uh, we'll, we'll mention you and uh, just get some interaction going. Maybe maybe we could work on getting maybe a NASCAR, you know, one of the newer guys. Maybe maybe he'll come on the show or something. Yeah. Maybe we could, we could work with that. We'll just try to find somebody to come on we, the show. We can go down to Kannapolis. 
Kannapolis, North Carolina. That's where all that's that's where NASCAR's headquarters is. We can go down there. I know the place. <laughs> and we are moving in. We're gonna we're gonna take um, turn away from NASCAR as we uh, we get ready for the West Virginia State University uh, portion of the show. Um, men's basketball and women's basketball talk. Um, just a little, you know, just a little cliff note um, or a precursor. Excuse me. I guess would be the better word. We were actually at the Glenville State, you know, West Virginia State first round playoff game on the women's side of basketball this past week. So our men's basketball coverage, um, it's going to be a little lax because we can talk more in depth about the about the women's game just because of the simple fact we were there. Yeah. You know, we didn't. Glenville State was a lot closer than Notre Dame. And um, yeah, I didn't feel like making that that trip again. I don't. I wasn't so sure how my car would do, uh, and plus I didn't <laughs> want to get snowed in. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so here we go. Um, you know, we'll start off with the women's basketball game. It was. It started out West Virginia State and Glenville State were really you know back and forth with each other. You know, it was a two-two game, then a four-four game, then a, you know just tit for tat. They were you know pretty evenly matched, and then West Virginia State exploded. They went on like a fifteen to three run, and were up, you know, up pretty big with about ten minutes left to go in the first half, and you know, foul trouble, like we had seen all season long for Glenville, really, really started to hurt them as West Virginia State was getting lots of foul calls in their favor in the first half, and you know, West Virginia State took advantage of that. Um, it didn't, you know, but then after that, the Glenville State team, you know, showing a good team that they are, and the fact that they were, you know. They, you know, they came back, and this is a team that won won it all last year, and you can see why they, you know, especially with Kiana Tate, um, you know, she she is just something special. I think I think she heard me talking because so? yeah, because I kept talking um, the first half about how she's been fouled out in five games, and that's the most out of any of the players, mm-hmm. and one of them was here in the institute. And she committed three fouls in the first half. Second half, she did not commit none. Yeah, no, she didn't commit any fouls. Um, and, and you know, it was it was a really really good game. Um, you know, of course, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about the facilities up there, up in Gilmer County at Glenville State. Um, like I, I like I told you, um, you and Stevenson on the ride up. Uh, I went to school up there back in two thousand six, and a lot has changed up there since I was up there. <laughs> Um, that it's a it's a very beautiful campus, and I'm not taking a, trying to take anything away from West Virginia State because it's a it's a very beautiful campus here as well. I'm We're just, flat here. We're not on the side of a mountain. Yeah, it's it's up a hill. If you've never been to Glenville State, it's all up a hillside, and then it's a pain to walk up at night um, after coming back from uh, from town. Um, but yeah, it's you know the the gym the gym I think is I think the top two gyms in this conference would have to be West Virginia State and Glenville State. I think they're they're right there. They're both um, very state of the art and just really, really awesome gyms and you know really crown jewels in this Mountain East Conference. Um, with that being said, though, getting a little bit back into the basketball game uh, for our side, West Virginia State, Rachel Ward played a heck of a game. Oh yeah, she I think she finished something with like twenty one points. She was ten for eleven. I think I do believe on from field goal range. I mean from free throw line, and she she was. Nasty from the three point line. She was. Oh, she, that's where she got a majority when, of her points. When is she not? Yeah, that's true. When is she not? Um, but you know, she and I feel like the West Virginia State team 
had their points spread out more evenly. You know, everybody on the court was contributing. You, whether it was, you know, Rachel Ward with 21, Downa Styles with 15, Alexis Hobbs with 16, uh, Shailen Schaefer, I think, finished the game with 15 points. So, you know, that right there, that's a good chunk of points. But then you look at Glenville State's, um, you know, stat sheet, and you have Keanu Tate with, like, 30-plus 30, 30 points. And then, you know, Katrina Salinas with being their next leading scorer, I think she ended up with, like, 15 or 17 points on the day. And that didn't even and, hold a candle to Keanu. Y- oh, no. Keanu was just, like, just um, destroying whoever. And she had a hard time when Montreal was on her. When Montreal Roberts was in there playing defense on her, she it really that's, affected Keanu Tate's game. That's because Mo- I, Montreal, she was not going to give her an inch. No, she, she – and, and the thing is that that's really exciting is Montreal reminds me so much of um, a basketball player that we had there here in the past in Asia Greenleaf. You know, she's she's a she, – not only could she score, but she's also a defensive threat. And, you know, Montreal's only a freshman. She ended the season with something like 39 blocks. And, I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty impressive. And especially when you look at the last two home games, she had 11 blocks in those two games. So, I mean, you know, if they can keep her here in Institute and she continues to perfect her craft, I, I do believe, you know, this Western State team is, is going to really, you know, give some teams next year some problems. Um, you know – Again, Western State did lose. I should probably say that before I move on looking into the future. But, yeah. but you know, we did lo- we did lose. I'm gonna say we did lost. Um, we did lose. It was a t- it was a you know a tough matchup. We uh, I think we we expected that you know going on the road playing Glenville State. Um, it's a weird thing in the Mountain East Conference. It seems like the home team always wins um, because you know when we played Glenville State here on campus, we beat them. When we played Notre Dame on campus, we beat them. But when we go to their campuses, we would lose. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, that home court advantage really, you know, really helps. So, um, yeah, the, it went, when here, here in the Mountain East Conference, when we've seen it here at Institute, I didn't, we didn't really notice it until we went to Glenville. But fan, the, if, there's, if there's a good crowd that comes out, which there normally is, mm-hmm. have, the fans, they will give you a run for your money, especially especially on free throws. Yeah, they definitely um, – and, and we could really – you know, we were up higher, you know, at the Glenville State game because down – you know, at home, we're, we're down on the court. We don't – the fans are at our back. We're right there. We're right there. And then, you know, when we were at the Glenville State game, we were up, up above the crowd, and you could – I don't necessarily – I didn't necessarily like it more or like it better than, than here at home. The, the aspect I did like was we were able to see the fans, like, and kind of see how they, they were reacting to the game. And there were points, you know, when West Virginia State went on that big run that the Glenville State fans were kind of, like, hiding because, you know, I think um, the only people in the crowd were Rachel Ward's parents. Um, I think that's the only people that I noticed. Uh, Rachel Ward and her family, or her family, were sitting over there across from us, and uh, that was the only friendly friendly yellow jacket faces we saw up there. <laughs> The rest, we were we were definitely in pioneer country. I know that that one old lady. She let me know. She let me know. I try. I tried to be friendly, and that's you know, and I think that comes with fandom. You know, you you want to support your team, and but it was a it was a good game. Um, Kiana Tate again. I think it's safe to say she was the player of the game, no matter what side you're looking at. Um, but you know, had she fouled out or you know anything like that, it it could have been a different story. You know, but but that's not the case. West Virginia State um, women's basketball record, you know, it it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't nearly what David Smith had envisioned at the beginning of the season, but he's dealt with injuries, he's got a young team, he's got a good young talent, you know, if he can keep everybody here next year, 
He's got a good young nucleus nucleus of talent. You know, he's got Shailen Schaefer, who's going to be a junior. Rachel Ward will be a junior. Mia Summers, Chrissy Farmer will be juniors. Uh, you'll have Alexis Hobbs, um, Donna Styles being seniors. You'll have um, the current twins, Autumn Ringan and Montreal Roberts. They'll all be, you know, just sophomores. So you know, again, that's that's a really good young talented team right there. And I think they're gonna they're gonna go a lot farther next year. Uh, it's it's always hard your first year playing together because you come from so many different styles. You got to kind of blend that into one conglomerate of basketball. And sometimes it's hard to get that going. And and that's exactly what happened to West Virginia State this year. Um, but I'm I'm really looking forward to next year um, because they lost. West Virginia State lost. You know they they didn't advance in the tournament that's taking place right now in Charleston. Uh, the men, you know, we we followed that game on the on our phones, you know, as we as often as we could. But if you're not familiar with where Glenville is, it's it's a little bit out in the country. It's about a hundred and hundred and fifty miles out of Charleston, and um, our whole state is pretty rural. I'd say it's yeah. pretty safe to say that. Um, so cell phone coverage not always the best here, and I know at the game, you know, we were trying to make sure we you know we tweeted out you know, our support of the basketball teams and, you know, all that, and, you know, try to keep the fans updated on our Twitter account. And tweets were just not going out. There was no there was no Wi-Fi. There was no, you know, 4G, 3G, even 2G. There was no LTE, definitely no LTE. There was no G. Yeah, there was no G. There was no, there was no you know, service. So we, you know, it, it kind of stunk that we weren't able to get that out there. But um, once we hit the interstate, we were able to pick up, you know, the men's basketball game. And, you know, they were – it was a pretty good game from what, you know, we could tell on Twitter. You know, it was a very back-and-forth match. West Virginia State would ultimately lose by five points to Notre Dame. Um, but, you know, it was West Virginia State definitely probably put a little bit of fear in Tyree Gator, Lawrence Yarman, and the rest of the Notre Dame um, Falcons up there as they moved on with the loss to West Virginia State. And, again, you know, much like the girls' team, um, the West Virginia State men's team, they have an extremely young team. Uh, extremely talented team. I think Marquis Mazik is probably one of the top players in the conference. And, you know, it's a shame that he, you know, he got to play, you know, the little bit of games he did due to the broken hand. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's but hard to But the games to he played. Oh, the games he played, he played extremely well. Extremely well. Um, but, yeah, it'll be exciting to see him come back next year. And I, I think he's going to, you know, come back with a fire and, and they're going to come back, and they're going to be a better team next year. I, I do believe that. They're going to have to find somebody to replace Damian Harris, who graduates. Uh, and I kind of feel for him. You know, I, I, I wish he would have been able to play a full season. But much like Marquis, he, he made the most of those games that he played in, and he was definitely dominant, and he, he'll definitely I, be, be I, missed I, on the court. I, I know he's, he was possibly your favorite player on the team. He was. It was it's a, it's a mix-up between him and Steve Wing. Also Just like see. Anthony Grant, but Anthony Grant never gets on the court. For whatever reason, yeah, Steve Wing, he's cooler than the cool side of the pillow. Mm-hmm. Talking to Coach Poor about that, he was like, you know, he's like, yeah, he's like, I like that about Steve. He said, but sometimes I wish he'd show a little fire. He said because sometimes he just stays too cool. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I think they're going to be a really good team next year. I think Cody Morris, you know, I think he's going to have to, you know, get elevate his game with, you know, the departure of Damian Harris. And we're, what we're going to do is, much like when we talked about the West Virginia State um, Athletics or football signing day, the basketball signing day begins April 15th 
think is what Coach Poor told me. And, you know, once they announce the class, we'll definitely talk about that. And if you haven't filled out your taxes, that's when it's due. Yeah, that's when it's due, too. <laughs> I've, I've definitely filled out my taxes and spent my return. Yeah, it's already gone. It's already gone. Again, <laughs> that's just, one of the perks <laughs> of being a, a broke college student. You, you, you look forward to tax time and when – when your student, uh, when your financial aid comes in, those are those are good times. I don't do that. I don't. I don't look forward to my financial aid. I look. I look forward to selling my books. That's a. Good, that's another good time. I don't even get. I don't even get tax returns. All right. I. I, I, I yeah. I haven't worked. <laughs> yeah. I just look forward to to selling my books. That's it. I I do enjoy that, but I it kind of makes me feel sick, like because it's a huge racket. Honestly, if you're if you're being honest, and I think if you look at it. Um, the whole book system is is a broke system. Uh, you pay like five hundred dollars for some books, and some of those are used books as well. I'm going to put that out there. Um, you pay five hundred dollars for them, and you might get a hundred and fifty dollars back at the end of the semester. On the contrary, uh, last year, let's see, I had six books I had to sell back. Six books I sell back. I got three hundred dollars out of them. Ooh. I was happy. Yeah, I bet. I mean, like, I, but. You know, the college books are just so expensive. Yeah, they're too expensive. They, they really are. You know, by the time you pay for room, I know you pay for room and board and, you know, just food. to go to school, food, and then you got to pay your books. And, I mean, just me, I just have to worry about enrollment, paying my fees, and, and buying my books because, I you know, I live off campus. But, um, yeah, it's it's really expensive. You, somebody's got to give, give us poor college students a break on these books. Yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah, next year I'm looking into getting a job here on campus, but that's beside the point. There's <laughs> nothing to do with sports. That's just our little tirade about we, book prices. This happens all the time. I bet you later on in this show we're going to start talking about wrestling. It's going to get somewhere in oh, here. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. I think that's a challenge. Um, I'm going to go ahead and make this print bigger because I, I I'm surprised to, you didn't. I forgot to do that. Um, but yeah, you know, good young talented teams, really. All across the West Virginia State campus, whether you're looking at football, basketball, baseball, softball, uh, and you know, big ups to the softball team. We haven't talked about them, but they're five and zero um, playing in the Snowbird Challenge or Snowbird Tournament down in Myrtle Beach. So they're enjoying that. They're enjoying their time away from uh, the the frozen tundra that is Charleston, um, or that is Institute. Actually, would be more more correct. But yeah, they're five and zero. They're you know they're firing on all cylinders. So congratulations, to Coach. Uh, um, Blackwell and also to the rest of the um, young ladies on that bas- on that softball team and keep up the winning ways as you uh, get ready to head back to Institute. Um, but we're going to go ahead and give you the season leaders. We're going to break these down. Season leaders for men's basketball and women's basketball. And I will go first and then El Jefe will follow me. Um, in points, you know, Marquis Mazik, 455 points. He averaged 20.7 points per game. Again, he only played in something like 20 of the games this year. Yeah. So you know he's definitely, definitely, arguably one of the one of the top players in this conference. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Never mind. Um, I'm, I messed you up there. Sorry. Um, the and then on the women's side of the of the game, Alexis Hobbs has 325 points, averaging 12 points per game. And again, she's one of those players who really, um, you know, she started out a little a little shaky. When she first came here, but again, that's you know trying to merge and trying to figure out all your new teammates. But she's she was really one of the more consistent players on that West Virginia State team. And then in assists, we got Dominic Phillips with 141 assists, averaging 4.9 assists per game. And then on the women's side of the ball, we have Deanna Styles with 90 assists, averaging 3.5 assists per game. And you know, 
looking at Deanna, you know, she she is crazy athletic. Oh. She has, you know, in the, even in the Glenville State game, you know, she was she was just shaking girls left and right, you know, dribbling behind her back, you know, no-look passes. She is definitely an exciting player to watch. Going back to that Rio Grande game. Yeah, all the way back in December. <laughs> all the way back in December. I, oh, man, that's where she got her nickname, Ankle Breakers. That's where, that's where you affectionately dubbed her. Um, and then, you know, you look at on the, her counterpart, Dominic Phillips. You know, he's... If you think he, about if you think about that got the same playing style. They as I was gonna say, they really they almost mirror each other in the way they play. They're very fast, they're very athletic, and they have no problem slashing through the rest of the, the opposing defenders and just driving to the lane. Yeah. In a blink of an eye. Yeah, and they and they know how they know how to control control, control their team too. Yeah, and also, you know, they can they're really good at contorting their body to get off you know, the craziest shots with their body in the most awkward positions and, and somehow getting them to fall. So, you know, they're really good players. Uh, rebounds, Steve Wing with 186 rebounds, averaging 6 rebounds per game. And then Shaylen Schaefer, 226 rebounds, averaging 8.4 rebounds per game. Steve Wing, you know, again, I said it, he's he's one of my my favorite players on this team. He's uh, he's a not very selfish, he's not a selfish player, and he's team first. And, you know, he's, he's in there, and he'll go in there and battle for the boards, even though he's, you know, he's not all that tall in the grand scheme of basketball. In life, he's tall. No. But in, on the basketball court, you know, at 6'2", he's not... He's not a giant, you know. That's about average size. Yeah, he's cooler than the coolest than the cool side of the pillow. And then you know you look at Shaylen Schaefer, and she's just a grinder as well. Oh, you know she goes out there and she just you know battles, and she's, um, you know she played, you know I remember a couple games at home. She in the season she played every minute of the game, didn't come out or anything, and she you know to for be to be a sophomore she's really she's really you know continuing to elevate her game each and every season, and uh, just really looking forward to watching her continue to develop as a player. I don't know why I'm using my hands to talk. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> In blocks. On the men's side of the ball, we have Damian Harris with 28 blocks for the on the season, averaging 1.3 blocks per game. And then on the women's side, this is not a shocker, Montreal Roberts, 39 blocks at the end of the season, averaging 1.5 blocks per game. And also, you know, Montreal had to, had, in the beginning of the season, she had to split playing time, and she continued through throughout the season as well, with, you know, both the current Swit sisters and Shaylin down there in the post. So, you know, for her to be able to, you know, amass 39 blocks in, in the playing time that she did get, that's that's pretty exciting. That speaks very well of her, of her athletic ability and post moves. And she's going to be another one of those players that's going to be very exciting to watch as they continue to progress in this system. Uh, steals, Dominic Phillips, 51 steals, averaging 1.8 steals per game. And again, his, his mirror image, Deanna Styles, 43 steals, averaging 1.7 steals per game. Um, you know, they, Deanna Styles and Alexis Hobbs, they really, on the women's side anyway, they really, they really have some sticky fingers. <coughs> and, um, you know, that's, that's needed in basketball. That's needed. You need to be able to be a good, uh, a good thief, I guess. <laughs> Makes it sound really bad, like, but you need it's to like, be able it's to. It's like, it's like, okay, think of it like this, Sly Cooper. The yeah. video game. Yep, yep. Yeah. Just, you gotta be a good thief. Pull out, the, pull out the little, the little Cooper cane. <laughs> I've been playing too much PlayStation. <laughs> All right. In minutes, we have Dominic Phillips with 813 minutes, averaging 28 minutes per game. And then on the women's side of the ball, Alexis Hobbs with 963 minutes, averaging 35.7 minutes per game. And you know that's gonna do it for the Mountain or the West Virginia State basketball recap and that you know again both seasons are over now 
Uh, we're in off season again. You know, we said that the national signing day for them is April fifteenth or tax day, whichever come, whichever you prefer to look at it as. <laughs> My taxes are already taken care of, so I'll look at it as signing day for West Virginia State University. And I don't basketball. have and I don't have to file taxes, so I will look at it as a national signing day for West Virginia State University <laughs> basketball. And um, you know, with it being the end of the season, it's award season. You like know, always. Like always. Every season, you know, you have a beginning and an end, and at the end you always have, you know, some hardware to, to give out. On the men's basketball awards, player of the year, Seger Bonifat from West Liberty University. Freshman of the year, Pat Mosh from Willing Jesuit University. Coach of the year, Kent McBride from Concord University. So I just want to, you know, quick congratulations to those guys, even though we are competitors on the court you know, it's it's always nice to go out and recognize you know recognize these guys because they had a really great year. Those three those three individuals, um, West Virginia State University players off season awards, 2015 All MEC second team Marquis Mazik. I and you know, I have to believe that he would have been a first team selection if he would have played the whole season. If he would have played the whole season, and two of West Virginia State's record would have been bad would have been better. You know the the record. You know it is what it is. You can't hide from it. Um, and I think that it hurts a lot of people, especially in all-star voting. Usually guys who play on not-so-good teams, they don't really get picked because people are like, oh, you know, they you know, they play for so-and-so. So, you know, I think next year we'll see a lot more players on this off-season award list. And then for the women's uh, basketball side of the awards, I don't know why it took me so long to get that out. Player of the year. Uh, player of the year. <laughs> player of the year. Martha Nagby, Notre Dame College. Freshman of the Year, Mary Stewart, West Virginia Wesleyan uh, College. Coach of the Year, Jenna Eckleberry, Shepherd University. And WVSU Players Offseason Awards, 2015 All-MEC Honorable Mention, Shaylin Schaefer. A little, little bit of mystery there as I forgot to type the name out. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, though, it's, it's tournament time. Mm-hmm. It is, even though our season has ended – we're going to give you a quick rundown of tournament action, and I'll take the women's side of the thing, and El Jefe Loco will give you the rundown on the men's side of basketball. To start things off, you, we had the first round starting on Tuesday, March 3rd. We had number 8, Concord University, taking on number 9, UVA-wise. UVA-wise won that game 77-59, to where they would go on to play on Thursday against West Liberty University. In the other um, games that take, took place on Tuesday, we had Fairmont State versus Urbana University, and Fairmont State won 110-80. to Fairmont State moves on to play, face Willing Jesuit on Thursday, March 5th. Glenville State College, the seventh seed, faced West Virginia State University. Glenville State won 81-70. to They moved on to face Shepherd University on Thursday as well. Then we had... The last game on Thursday, March 3rd, we had the number 6 seed, Notre Dame College, taking on the number 11 seed, West Virginia Wesleyan College. Notre Dame won 76-63 and advanced to take on Charleston on Thursday, March 5th at 2.15 p.m. So these games have already happened. Um, Thursday, March 15th, we had, or March 5th, excuse me, we had West Liberty, the number 1 seed, taking on UVA-wise, the ninth seed in the conference, and that just goes to show you, you know, we talked about how, you know, the this conference, the worst team can beat the best team at any given point. And the UVA was not saying they're the worst team in the league. They were ranked ninth. West Liberty was ranked number one, and they 
West Liberty had to go to two overtimes to squeak a win out of there as they won 73-68. to 68. And they will be facing the winner of this next game tomorrow, Saturday, March 7th at <coughs> noon. And it's the game to be Willing Jesuit taking on Fairmont State with Willing Jesuit beating Fairmont State of a score of 85-75. to 75. So again, the matchup on Saturday, March 7th, in the first game, we have West Liberty taking on Willing Jesuit University at noon, and then we're about to give you the second game of that day. On Thursday, March 5th, we had Shepard taking on defending conference title champions, Glenville State College. They're running in there as Shepherd, number two Shepard won 100-91, and they moved on to the Saturday game where they'll be facing the winner of the UC Notre Dame game. UC coming in at the number three spot taking on a hot Notre Dame team. Notre Dame would win 65-55. to So again, your matchup for Saturday, March 7th, with a noon tip-off time, West Liberty University taking on Willing Jesuit University, and then the nightcap, so to speak, for the Mountain East Conference Women's Basketball Tournament will take place at 2.15 as Shepherd University will take on Notre Dame College for the right to move on to the championship game on Sunday, March 8th, with a tip-off time of 1 p.m. So now we'll pass it over to El Jefe Loco to give you the men's tournament bracket. Well, the men's tournament bracket isn't as completed as the women's right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's going on right now. Yeah, actually. Um, actually, we do have an update on that. Um, Fair, Notre Dame College just fell to Fairmont 71-57. to um, that's, the, that's, the that's the only game that it's finished uh, for right now. Yeah, they did have a noon tip-off time. And Concord, I know when I drove in here, Concord and Willing Jesuit were playing, and Concord was uh, was really giving it to, to Willing Jesuit. They were actually you know, going tit-for-tat, and they were tied at one point, I think at the half. Yeah. was when, when I had it. Um, but, you know, we have, you know, so who do you think, who do you like to win this tournament right here, the men's side? Who do you think I'm going to think, pick? I think you're going to go with West Liberty. Yeah, because they've been they've just been number one all they've, year. They've been you know they've got Jim Crutchfield's really got a strong team up there. Uh, really, really you know when we saw them in action down here, they're really dominant. Yeah, they they they, they showed why they was the number one team. Yeah, in the and they 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 deserve it. They deserve it. Um, so yeah, again you know the women's bracket is a lot more a lot more developed than the men's because you have games taking place at six p.m. today. 8.15 today and 2.15 day. So the only only finished game, like you said, was the Fairmont State-Notre Dame game. Um, so, yeah, when we, we'll tweet out, you know, as the conference bracket unfolds, we'll tweet out, you know, score updates from those games. From at AM in the PM 106.7 on Twitter. I don't know why I was so excited <laughs> about that. But that's our Twitter, and that's how you will follow us. Um, and with that, we... Are going to move into. I don't know if it's everybody's favorite time of the show, but I think it's. I think it's one of our favorite times of the show, and that is going to be the snap jab segment. Alrighty, and the first story on today's bracket is about Joaquin Noah, Derek Rose, Taj Gibson, and their fight against gun violence. You know, Chicago is you know quickly becoming. I don't know if it is. Officially, but it's it's quickly becoming one of the murder cap murder capitals of the United States. Um, I don't know if they won that title back from Baltimore or not, but they definitely they definitely are. It's a very violent city. And Joakim Noah, you know he he wanted to he wants to kind of change that because these guys live there. 
They put the city on their back. And, you know, Joakim Noah, he how it all started was he ran into a, a young lady who was crying at a basketball court. And it just so happened to be the court that her, her, her brother was, you know, gunned down on. Um, so, you know, the Bulls, you know, they, they decided, especially Joakim Noah, it, it really shook him to the core. And he decided he wanted to use his celebrity to kind of kind of help fight that. And that right there, I think that's really awesome that he, you know, they took that upon themselves to really, you know, just be like, hey, look, we live here too. Enough is enough. You got to stop killing each other. You got to put down these guns. And I, I really like that. I, I, I really like Joe Keen Noah. He's, he's really one of my he, favorite players. Yeah, he, I, I, he is my favorite player on, on Chicago's team, on the Chicago Bulls. You're not a Derrick Rose fan? No, I, I, I keep telling him to get rid of him. <laughs> he's a liability. He, I feel bad for him. I really do. I, 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 I think he's soft. And I think the only reason I say I think he's soft because I'm not saying it because he's been injured, because anybody can get injured. But when you have guys like Russell Westbrook, who comes back from the same injury with more explosion than how he left, that makes you as Derrick Rose look look a little, you know, a little soft. And, you know, so that that's where that comes from. I, I think Derrick Rose is an exciting player when he's healthy. He's being compared to the he's a, as a modern day Penny Hardaway because of both of their, you know, histories with injuries. Um, and, you know, I just I don't know. I feel it's very unfortunate for the Bulls. I think they've kept Derrick Rose for far too long. I think they should have, you know, cut bait a long time ago. Um, I think I think the main reason why they keep Derrick Rose is because he's a native to Chicago, mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of the fans can relate to him. So I think that's that to me that's the only reason why they're keeping Derrick Rose. But he's he's accident prone. He really is, and you know he's a, he's a liability. Yeah, he really is. He's he's turned, he has went from an asset to a liability, and, and that that is in my opinion. But that is not what this what this sec part is about. That is just my little rant about Derrick Rose. What's your take on the whole the whole video? I, 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 it, it, in all honesty, it, it, it actually it touched me. Mm-hmm. It touched me. Um, I thought I thought it was great. I thought it was great what they was doing. Um, like what I said earlier in the show when I was talking about how 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 uh, sports can really do more than what politics can, and it can break barriers. Yeah, that this is where I got it from watching that, and I I, I watched it two or three times, and it. It's just it's it's really great what they're doing. Um, I know sometimes Chicago does catch a bad rep uh, with all the gun violence, but you know, it's they. I just, I thought it, I I just I think it's really really good what they're doing, and it's 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 rare seeing it's coming from a from somebody with celebrity status. Yeah, Not nowadays they want to they want to avoid that type of thing. They want to be like, okay, I don't want to touch that subject, or they or they'll just give them money. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll just give money, or they'll be like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, and uh, adopt a dozen of uh, foreign kids. Okay. <laughs> did you see? Uh, this is totally off the subject. Did you see what where Jimmy Butler lost a ten thousand dollar bet with a student? Mm-mm. He had a ten thousand dollar bet with a with a student um, that the student couldn't make a one handed shot, uh, one handed three point shot, mm-hmm. and the kid did. And so Jimmy Butler paid him ten grand. So, uh, so it's a it's a little twofer on this Chicago Bulls story to start off with snap jabs. Oh, dude, dude, I I want ten thousand dollars. I can do a layup. I, I might be able to do a layup. I don't know. <laughs> you don't want to sell yourself too too much. You don't want to say, well, I'm sure I can do a layup. You get out there and embarrass yourself. I, I am five foot five, and I look like the Pillsbury Doughboy. I can do a layup. <laughs> I always thought it would be cool. Do you remember several years ago when they had? Um, the basketball league that played on trampolines. 
Yeah. It was on Spike TV. I always thought that'd be cool. Spike had a lot of, a lot of unique sporting events. They had the XFL, which was really not what all the hype it was. You know, didn't live up to the hype of being extreme rules football, no rules. I was expecting like you know guys to be able to go out there and powerbomb each other, and they they threw flags, just like everybody else. So it was not extreme. Vince McMahon, you lied to me yet again. Um, there's our wrestling tie-in, and then you know you look at the I don't even remember what the the trampoline basketball right. league was called, but it was exciting. I'll I'll, I'll tell you what. All right, you tell me what. Uh, have you ever have you ever actually sit down and watch arena football? I have. Uh, arena football is so fun to watch. I I do enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. It's you know it's it's totally different than how I like like the NFL. But it it works for that, you know. It's it's quirky. It's it's you know a speedboat race. They get out there and they just put points up in, in at about a hundred points out of each game. So I mean, it, but I I really do enjoy it. Yeah, I do, I do too. I feel like West Virginia should have their own arena football team. There's a lot of um, arena teams around. There used to be an arena team like the they have their divisions in arena like D kind of like D one D two D three. There's like a D two arena league that used to play in Huntington. Yeah, I, I heard about them. But they, I think they folded. There's one in Pittsburgh because there's a couple guys that I played football with up at Glenville State that that play arena league either you know in in the United States or play abroad. So, but yeah, it'd be cool to have an arena team. Oh yeah, I, I, you don't need a football field. I always wanted to own the stamping plant, like to be Richie Rich mm-hmm. and own the stamping plant and turn that into an indoor football field. That's what I, that was my dream as a kid. But I'll never be able to do that because I can never buy the stamping plant. My my dream as a kid was to be like, was to either be like Jeff Gordon and race or so be you like, like Ricky Bobby. Yeah, I wanted to be like <laughs> Ricky Bobby. No, I did not. Help me, baby Jesus. Help me, Tom Cruise. Go fast. <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. But no, I wanted to either be a net, a race car driver or a professional wrestler. Nice. I did when I was a kid. There's the professional wrestling again. <laughs> Moving on to the next story, um, you're an MMA fan, so yeah. I will let you take this this next one. Um, basically, this next story is talking about the Ronda Rosie Cat Zagano. Yeah, Ronda Cat Zagano. Yeah, Cat Zagano um, fight, and uh, this is this was Ron, this was supposed to be Ronda Rosie's um, wor- uh, toughest bout yet. Yeah, it was supposed uh, to be her. Yeah, Top competitor. Yeah, because Kat Zagano, she uh, she was undefeated, and you know she she was she was coming hot into there, and Ronda Rosie. Everybody knows who Ronda Rosie is because you know not just because of the whole Sports Illustrated thing, but also because she is mean. I I seen her I seen her beat up a reporter because the yeah, reporter. Did you see that? Yes, because the reporter told her that she uh, she couldn't hold a hold a candle with the men. And he broke her, she broke his ribs. Yeah, and she felt so bad for it about it. Yeah, like well, like one of the things like this fight, if you have Vine, this is kind of like this a, will fit in Vine. Yeah, this would fit in a Vine. Yeah, this is how short this fight was. It was fourteen seconds, and it was over. Um, you know, Ronda got the submission, got it locked in, and just. Cat was just forced to tap out. Um, yeah, she but, she basically got got her into into an arm bar in yeah. fourteen seconds. And, and one of the good things about you know about the story is that Ronda Rousey, you know, she had such respect for her that she went up to her after the fight and said, "Look, anytime you want a rematch, you know, I will give you a rematch. I'll give you another shot to beat me." Because I mean, really, and I'm not trying to dog on on women's MMA, 
because they're 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 athletes. They're supreme athletes. They can they can beat I could, I, Ronda Rousey could probably go toe to toe with any man that I know, and any man probably in the world. I would I would venture to say she would be able to hold her own with the vast majority of men on this planet. Yeah, yeah, the biggest majority of them. I don't I don't know about some, some of them. Some of them just are are too mean. Like uh, I think it was Chris Rock that said it. He said no. He said you don't. He said you don't fight white people. He said that Emmett May stuff is real. It's <laughs> real. <laughs> but um, you know she, who's really left for her to fight? There's the nobody. There's, yeah, I'm saying like she was the biggest you know competitor, and you beat her in 14 seconds. Like she's. What do you do now? You wait for somebody to just come up and train and just be like, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. It'd be interesting to see and. All of her fights have, that she's been in have lasted less uh, than a minute. Yeah, and now it's getting down to where it's just a quarter of a minute. Yeah, so you know that's that's exciting to watch, and you know, congratulations to Ronda Rousey for your victory, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens on the next one. There, um, a couple. Uh, it was a few months ago, maybe six months ago. Um, she was Ronda Rousey was supposed to uh, fight a, and not not bashing on on transgenders, but she was supposed to fight a transgender. Mm-hmm. And you know the the whole argument was that she was a man before and everything, so she would have a distinct advantage. Ronda Rosie just beat the crap out of her. So the fight it, did go yeah, through. Yeah, the the fight did go through. That's good that they didn't you know yeah, get held up. Yeah, last time I checked because, it, but she was she was real and she was real iffy about it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, but I, I do I do believe the fight went through. I just, I just. If re- not, it happened in your imagination. Yeah, I, it just. It, I, in all honesty, I just recently picked uh, MMA back up. Because that's, that's to be honest. I, I rarely. I there's so many sporting events. MMA is not honestly. It's not on the top of my sporting. You know, it's not on the top of my hierarchy of sports. But I mean, I, I, I try to keep up with it, and especially something like that that made the news. You know, definitely. You know, um, definitely came across that. Did you see the claymation somebody made of it? Mm-mm. It's it's great. You can find it on Facebook. The claymation of the fight. It's it's really good. You have to watch it. Yeah. Well, that and another reason why I like UFC is Joe Rogan. You like Joe Rogan? Joe, Joe, Joe Rogan's funny. <laughs> I've I've watched his stand up. It's hilarious. Moving right along, um, the third snap jab story of the day. Uh, you know, last week was trading deadline day for National Hockey League. Um, you know, there were several stories. TSN got in trouble for a tweet they sent out um, referencing, you know, a couple teammates and a lot, Alicia uh, Cuthbert. But, you know, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, – and I guess this Because this ain't the be, bad news segment. Yeah, this yeah. is a snap jab. I think this could kind of be a feel-good segment, a feel-good story of this segment. I've Really, the first story, you know, what, what Derek yeah, Rose – Yeah, both <laughs> those, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a pretty – you know, both of these, it's a pretty heavy feel-good story since last week we had none. Yeah. Um, we're we're – we're doubling them over this this week. As you know, it was trading deadline day as the Columbus Blue Jackets swung a trade with the Minnesota Wild, and it really was, you know, it really got its start from a, a handwritten handwritten letter from Jordan Leopold's daughter. Um, I do believe the, the young lady is, uh, I think it was her she's eleven years old. Yeah, she's eleven years old, and her name's Jordan as well. Yeah, oh, that yeah, that's who it is, Jordan hey. Leopold. Um, she she wrote the letter. Because and she was basically saying, you know, my dad, and she has like three, three or four other siblings, and you know, her her and her siblings and her mother live in Minnesota, and you know, she was like, 
the Columbus Blue Jackets. My dad, my dad sat on the team. You know, he there's a bunch of young guys, and he's an older guy. He's an older D-man, and he, you know, he doesn't really fit in with the team because he's older and he misses us. And my brothers and sister, we miss him. And and if you could, because to be honest, your your Minnesota Wild team isn't that good, and you could use some D-men. Um, you know, why don't you swing a trade for for my father? And, you know, kudos to the Minnesota Wild, but also kudos to the Columbus Blue Jackets because they, they let this trade go through. They reunited a, a family, um, you know, and so that that kind of was awesome. As being a dad, that, that right there, I, I like that story a lot. Yeah, I, I, I do. I it showed the softer side of hockey as well. Yeah, I liked what the uh, the owner tweeted out. Mm-hmm. And he he said, you know, sometimes it's not all about business. And that is one thing I've noticed about hockey. It's such a violent sport, but they do such a, a lot. They do a lot of good things. In they it. really do. You know, we've talked about how the guys, and these guys are tough guys. How they, they put they, on dresses. They're missing teeth. Yeah, they put on dresses and went to the children's hospital dressed up as Anna and Elsa from Frozen. And, you know, just they do, you know, marathon hockey games. Yeah. For uh, cancer research. It's just a lot of, a lot of good guys, good tough guys. They got they're soft. It's like it's like they when got like you, a soft heart. It's like when you walk in a restaurant, all right, and you see the biker over there by the bar, the, the big burgly biker that you don't want to mess with, and you turn around, and he get, he looks. At, you want me to pay for that? You look you look like you got some hardship with. That. Yeah, it's definitely they're definitely you know they got that soft shell on the inside. They got the soft soft interior is what oh, I'm gonna yeah. say, not the soft shell because those guys are. Rock hard, or 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 it's or it's the guy that uh, that donates that donates his time to his uh, his community, mm-hmm. most definitely. And that I do believe. Unless, do you have any Snapchats? Uh, no, I haven't had time. Okie dokie. I was I was gonna look for some, but uh huh, likely story. No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be watching NASCAR practice. <laughs> hey, when we got back, when when we finally got back from Glenville State the other night, I was up till three studying. I crashed. I went home and went to bed. I couldn't. I I still had homework and everything due, and I still didn't get done with my homework. It's a rough life we live. Yeah, I, I turned it in, and like it was all crumbled up. And my Drool. yeah, my professor, <laughs> my professor was like. Don't crumble it up next time. I was like, I'm really sorry. I said I was looking at it right before the test to study more, and you came in here and just get through the test ass. So I just stuck it in my crumbled it up, stuck it in my pocket. I said I'm sorry. He's like, Oh, it's okay. At least you were studying. <laughs> okay. All right. Now we are going to move on to the um, bad news segment. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Already, little bad news, Barrett. There to kick this segment off like always um i'll let you take this first story because it deals more about um with kind of with racing yeah um basically the this first the first story talks about this uh kurdish racing team um i can't quite remember what the what the uh, guy's name is but you know they're 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 from they're they're uh they're a kurdish racing team and they race in basically the grand prix which is which is um around around the world basically Mm -hmm. And uh, they had to cut. They, they can't race this this upcoming season be, due to um, d- due to threats coming from ISIS. Yeah, well, they're in Iraq. Um, they're the ethnic people of Iraq, and you know they they had a rough go underneath Saddam Hussein, and then you know ISIS is really just tearing up you know much of the Middle East, and and this their part of their town is no exception. And you know this guy, he's one of the thing is he's extremely proud of his ethnicity. 
you know, he he'll he wraps it around his car, his flag. He drapes himself in the flag whenever he goes to the podium, and he also gives back to the community as well whenever he goes back home. And you know, so that's it's a shame that these guys won't be able to to race this year because there's no financial backing because everything is just gone. Uh, well, ISIS is coming in, and they're they're basically they're they're taking these they're basically stealing uh, this race team's financial backing and basically threatening them into you know a scare tactic into giving them to just leave it alone and mm-hmm. let them do what they got to do, and we basically we won't kill you. Yeah, one of the things that um, when we came across when I came across this story, a lot of there was a lot of people saying you know that they should just kickstart it, you know, crowdsource it, and you know just use that to fight that, and you know that might be something that this team looks into because I mean you know that would uh, it's an expensive it's an expensive you know sport racing, and so they they would definitely need a lot of backers. So hopefully you know that they can get that fixed and uh, look forward to seeing them back on the Grand Prix. Yeah, it's and, uh, it's 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 honestly it's sad. It really is because you know not only you know that these people aren't able to you know race, which in the grand scheme of things you know it is what it is, but you know just for the simple fact that all the good that they do back for their back for home, and you know they're being you know they're being targeted by ISIS because of it. So so shame on you, ISIS. Um, you know, Twitter is you know a, a lot of trolls are on Twitter. They're plain and simple. You know they come out and, and they really you know. And they, they look for people, and they, they kind of goat people. Kurt Schilling is an easy target. You know, if you're a baseball fan, he played for the Red Sox. Mm. You know, he had the whole bloody sock thing, yeah, my, which my, some people are a little iffy on. Yeah, my brother was, my brother's a baseball. Uh, he's a Boston Red Sox fan. So, But, no, I, I remember watching him, um, the 2004 uh, World Series, when they won the World Series for the first time, I think, over 100 years. Um yeah, I was sitting there watching that with my dad, and I, I've completely forgotten about Kurt Schilling. Well, he's also like I think he's a I think he's a nine eleven truther. I think he you know, he tried to make a video game and it went bankrupt, and you know so he's he's had a a, a pretty rough go. But you know he he's a dad. He has a daughter who's in high school. She picked her, you know, she picked her college, and he he simply sent out a tweet saying congratulations to Gabby, you know Gabby Schilling. You know, she'll be pitch, pitch, pitching for you know this uh, the Regina, um, some team out in Seattle um, college. You should be should be pitching there for softball. And he's you know typical dad. Congratulations, you know way to go, honey. And that was it. Well, then out of nowhere, you know all these Twitter trolls come out and they just you know they start you know just talking just disgusting disgusting things. You know, it's one thing to say, you know, there's certain things. And, and Kurt Schilling even went on to say, you know, I've been around guys my whole life. He's like, I was in a fraternity. I played baseball. I've been in a clubhouse. I've never heard a man talk like that about a woman. He said there are lines that were crossed that shouldn't have been crossed, and they shouldn't have been. Um, so Kurt Schilling, you know, went all, you know, protective papa on him. And, and, you know, kudos to him. He he went and he did some digging. He was kind of like Liam Neeson and Taken. And he, he he discovered. I don't know who you are, but I will find you. <laughs> and he did. He you know he ended up getting you know one of the guys the two that he he first focused on the two really really terrible nasty ones. Uh, one of them was a student at a college in New Jersey who worked for the Yankees part time selling tickets. He got him fired. And also, and, and also, he's the VP of his uh, of his uh, fraternity yeah. chapter. Yeah. So there's a big there's a big stink coming coming down on that fraternity as well. Um, and then also, you know, they the other guy was a part-time DJ at his local school. He got kicked off the airwaves for that. 
and you know they should have. There there are repercussions when you when you do stuff like that. Uh, these okay, and I'm I'm not you know I'm not I'm not saying that you should troll people, but these guys this is how stupid these guys are. They use their real accounts. Yeah. They use their real accounts. And when you're going to troll people, use a fake account. I mean... No no real picture of make, yourself, no name, no, no, nothing. No, nothing, nothing. Okay, that's what a troll is. I mean, for goodness sakes, put a picture of Nelson Mandela on there, okay? Yeah, Be a troll that way. No, these guys use their real Twitter accounts. And I, God, I hate stupid people. Yeah, and you know... I, I I felt bad for for you know Gabby Schilling um, because they were and I felt really bad for Kurt Schilling as well because they were really vulgar things and me being a dad to a daughter you know um, I'm just very happy to see that he was the way he handled that and to you know to show these guys you know hey that's that's not cool you there's a, you can you know there's a way you can talk about certain things but you definitely don't t- and they cross the line and you can if you're interested in seeing what these guys said. You can find it on Twitter. You can find it on you know several social media sites. Kurt Schilling even posted the guy's information on his on his um, blog. So if you want, you can find it that way. But you know it is it is pretty pretty heinous stuff that they were saying. Um, but uh, congratulations to Gabby Schilling for you know getting to continue to play college softball. So uh, congratulations to her and way to go, Kurt Schilling. You're my hero. <laughs> this next one, um, you know what? I think we'll just keep it. As yeah, I've been I've been very I've been very questionable about that one. Yeah, because that this next story was a little iffy. Um, so it's a, a just short cause... bad news segment. It has to do with Irksheim College down in South Carolina. You can search them, and you'll probably know what we were going to talk about. Um, but you know, it's a really touchy subject. And I think it's one we'll just yeah, cause, yeah, because we could, we we try to keep. That's why when it came to the ISIS story, we kept that short. Yeah, we don't. When it comes to stuff like that, this is a sports show, and we don't we don't we don't feel comfortable talking about that stuff. Um, I honestly I don't feel comfortable talking about my certain beliefs yeah. and such. Well, because I don't want to come off as like you know preachy, and my beliefs might not align with your beliefs. Yeah, and your beliefs and my beliefs might not align with. XYZ's beliefs yeah. out here and we're not I'm, I'm not in a position where I want to push my beliefs on anybody and I think the same is, speaks for you as well Yeah. Uh, so yeah I just want to keep it light and have a fun time here on the Triple Name Sports Show and I do believe that that is going to uh, to do it for us here on the Triple Name Sports Show if you like what you've heard um, you can find us on Facebook at Triple Name Sports Show you can find us on YouTube by searching Triple Name Sports Show we're also a proud member of the Mopcast Network, uh, which features such great shows as the Weekly Mopcast, Mopcast Raw, Memory Card Radio, and, of course, on Star Wars Rebels um, TV show. And then also um, our show is featured on there as well, Triple Name Sports Show. For the show today, I am Aaron Lynch-Kelly. You can find me on my personal account at pageantdad eighty eight. You can find the show account on Twitter at AM in the PM 1067. And how can the fine folks out there find you, El Jefe Loco? Also, um, you can also find us on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Just go on that, go go on uh, YouTube, type in Triple Name Sports Show. It's a uh, first pretty much the first one that pops up. Um, we're also accompanied there by a bunch of wrestling videos. I may start doing vlogs. I don't know. Do you uh, Okay, this may be stupid. Do you know what a vlog is? Yeah, I know what a vlog okay, is. Okay, I may start doing vlogs. I don't know yet. Um, it really depends. But, uh, no, you can 
just go to YouTube, find us there. Um, if you if you want to talk to me on Twitter, go ahead. Uh, my Twitter handle is at ElHefeLoco95. Also, again, before we get out of here, I want to um, thank Coach Poor for the interview and also want to send our condolences out to um, Earl Lloyd and his family. And uh, with that, I'm going to play us some music and take us on out here. Have a great night. Mobcast Network.